Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Yeah, that's me. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Andy, and it's uh, Scorcher 107 today, 105 pretty much the rest of the week. And now Brian Hyde, who does not live here anymore, but lived here for many, many years. Uh, Brian, uh, you uh, you kind of forgot about that St. George heat until you came to visit this week, huh? <laughs> I, yeah, I paid a visit last Wednesday, walked on up on the sugar loaf, just wanted to reaffirm myself that it hadn't gone rogue on me. And, <laughs> yeah, that St. George heat. I was like, oh, I forgot what July was like. Kind of so hats off to you and whoever's working on air conditioners right now in Utah's Dixie. Kind of sticks to your forehead, man. That that heat just you know, like you're wearing a warm or a hot cloth on your on your forehead. But uh, hey, uh, I Brian, I had uh, and by the way, Brian's show. I can't make an official announcement yet, but it's uh, definitely uh, coming to a KDXU soon uh, on the weekends. Uh, Brian, of course, the uh, owner and operator of LovingLiberty.net. Go listen to his podcast. It's good stuff, folks. Uh, Brian also is a fellow uh, barbecuer uh, with the Pit Barrel Cooker, which is uh, my my cooker of choice in the last uh, couple of months. And uh, I'm grateful to you, Brian, for uh, getting me on the PBC, as uh, we affectionately call it. Uh, hanging meat. Yeah, we hang meat is what we do. Uh, but uh, Brian, I was, I had, had a friend, uh, we had a family deal and I had a friend that I hadn't seen for about 10 years come down in, in, uh, to Southern Utah. And uh, in the course of our conversation, this is a guy I went to high school with. So I've known him, known him for, you know, 40, 35, 40 years. And I, uh, I got talking to him. I got going a little bit on my barbecuing and he, he looked at me and he's like, Oh, you're one of those, huh? And I thought, oh, wait a minute. No, I don't know if that's a mean thing or a nice thing, but yes, I am one of those. I love, I love to smoke and cook meat in in various different ways. And this week, this weekend, I used three different rubs, all from uh, my friend over there at the uh, at the barbecue pit stop here in St. George. But uh, and uh, got really good reviews from the family this week on the on, on the chicken I put together. Three different flavored chickens. It was fun, man. I love it. That's a happy combination, having access to Barbecue Pit Stop, because I do have one where I live in Lehigh, Mm -hmm. and those guys will hook you up when it comes to the rubs. But, uh, yeah, it's it's fun to hear. And I love that you post on Facebook. I love that you share that Pit Barrel Cooker experience. I'm I'm always watching with anticipation what's new. What can I try? I'm trying. I'm trying not to do that. I, I, it's just a bad habit. But man, we get, I get so excited about it. And of course, as you know, anytime you're a chef or a cook for someone, the payoff is the moment they taste it and the, the look on their face. And uh, every once in a while, you miss. But most of the time, especially if you use the right stuff and you know what you're doing, you get that that uh, incredible, satisfied look on their faces. It, it, it feels pretty good. So you did three different kinds of chicken, is that right? Yeah, so I, I had uh, five chicken breasts and a big one, big big old hunks of chicken. And uh, I did uh, I did two with the uh, Gold Star. I don't want to get into too many details because people are going to roll their eyes at me. But And then two with the, with the stuff that uh, was a jalapeno garlic. And cool. uh, and then I did uh, I did one breast that was kind of for myself because uh, it was really hot. It was uh, It's called Death Dust, Habanero Death Dust. And it does it does taste much like it sounds, uh, and, and anyway, uh, it turns out the death dust was the most popular one. Everybody wanted my chicken. I barely got any because it was so popular, but it was very hot. It made my made my eyes water. I don't know if your experience is like mine, but uh, when I cook with uh, you know the, the pit barrel cooker, when I smoke it, 
even if I'm using something really spicy, I have a honey habanero um, barbecue sauce that I just love. Right. It tends to mild it down just a little bit. I don't know. It, it tames it enough. It'll still bring some heat, but it's a lot more manageable. Well, the idea is to make them cry without letting them know they're doing it. Yeah. Right? Sure. <laughs> you got to save face. Oh, uh, you are. We will take some calls from you folks, 673-5890, if you want to talk with me or Brian Hyde. Brian, uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about, and then we'll get to a couple of things on your podcast. First of all, Washington Redskins made the official announcement today. They will drop the name Redskins and the uh, Indian head logo that they use and uh, disassociate themselves with what they called a very racist moniker. Your thoughts on that? If they just would have changed their logo to a potato, they'd have been fine. <laughs> right? Redskin, <And> sure. <laughs> the redskin potatoes. No, I. Uh, it's, it's crazy to me that it could have been a name for so long if it was really that racist of a symbol. I think this is... This is a passing fad of what's very popular or what's mm-hmm. you know in the heat of the moment now. But my question is, okay, so what's next? Now that we've solved the problem of racism in the world, um, does this mean that we can stop? Or does this just mean now we shift to another target? That's what it feels like. There's going to be another one coming. Of course, down here in southern Utah, and you lived in Cedar a while, the Cedar Redmond became, last year, became the Cedar Reds and removed any kind of Indian American Indian comparisons and, and became, in fact, their logo is a, a picture of a wolf with a red tail. That's that's where they've gone. Yeah, and, and again, that's one of those things that, I think was done not with you know the community saying oh yes we agree this is a terrible thing, but more from some from outsiders who showed up and decided it was in their interest to agitate. I mean there were even members of the Paiute tribe who were like we don't think this is offensive. Yeah. This has always been kind of a matter of pride. You know to be a Cedar Redman actually meant something good. For the record, the Cleveland Indians are also considering changing their name, but the. Uh... But the Atlanta Braves have come out emphatically and said, we are not changing Braves. It's a, it's a, a term of honor. Said so the only thing they might change is they do that tomahawk chop uh, to fire people up in the middle of the game, and that probably needs to go anyway. And then, I mean, tomahawks, and yeah, that's, that's not good. So I just have to wonder, though, where, where does it end? Because it seems like there's, there's literally no end to the, the things which could be considered offensive to someone. And when everything is a microaggression, nothing you know, is, is offensive. It just, it just seems like mischief waiting to happen. Yeah, for sure. You know, Dick, obviously the Dixie name down here in Southern Utah has come under a little bit of fire here lately, but there's sure been a groundswell of report uh, of support for people that love the name Dixie and what it means, the Dixie spirit down here in Southern Utah. And I'm, I'm glad for that. So tell me this, I'd, I'd, I'd love to get your take, Andy. Is it possible to reclaim a name that supposedly has, you know, now been hijacked for nefarious purposes. Can enough people, you know, with, with goodness behind them, reclaim that name to where it's it's off limits for those who might misuse it? Well, I think if you're going to do it, it has to happen early, like like this Dixie thing. Uh, there has to be enough people to say, oh, no, 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 you're not doing that. But once it's gone, Brian, it's, I, I feel like it's gone forever. There will never be another Redskins anywhere uh, once they get rid of this. Well, I mean, they officially got rid of it today. Well, all I can say is it'll be interesting to see what's next. Because yeah. I'm sure that the, the purge is far from over. Well, you think about the New England Patriots. The patriotism is coming under fire right now, isn't it? I mean, kind of big time even around the country. So, 
Ay, ay, ay. I wanted to play this for you. Uh, we, our governor is, uh, I hate to use the term, but he's a lame duck governor. He is, he's not running again. He's out the door. He, he kind of. I almost feel like a little bit like he's like, I don't care what happens at this point. Uh, I want to play this quote for you, Brian, and just kind of get your, get your thoughts on this. And uh, can't how many metaphors he mixes here. As we get to 800, it's like the wings falling off the plane. Uh, that does not give us the headroom that we probably would want to have. Certainly would not be wise to be floating that close to the edge of the cliff. Now he's referring to the number of COVID-19 wow. cases and whether or not he should mandate masks. And, and he said we're, getting, we're floating next to a cliff, we're, we're out of headroom, and wings are falling off of planes. And he kind of lost me somewhere in the middle of the second, second, uh, uh, second one there, I, the metaphor there. I don't know. Would have been nice if he could have worked in something about Icarus flying too close to the sun. I, <laughs> the I wax is melting. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I just I, I heard that and I was like, really, man? Are you serious? I, I don't know. I I I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's a, pretty much a slam dunk. Spencer Cox is going to be our next governor, and Spencer Cox has been his lieutenant governor for, for quite some time, and. You know, never never mind our personal feelings about who should have won or whatever. Brian is Spencer Cox going to just be kind of uh, Gary Herbert part two? Um, I think it's safe to say with as many people who crossed party lines to ensure that uh, that Spencer Cox won the primary, that uh, they did so not out of a sense of oh, finally, you know, a change. I think this was done to protect the status quo. So yeah, mm. I think the status quo is going to be perfectly safe. Mm, well said. Okay. Uh, you okay to take a couple of calls? And people have been lighting up the phone lines the whole time we've been talking. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Caller, you're on with Andy right, and with Brian Hyde. How are you today? You there? Oh, they hung up. All right. Let's go here. Yeah, Seth, are you there? I'm always here. Oh, what's on your mind, Seth? <laughs> I, I like the, the fact that Brian is now his own entrepreneur. And uh, believe it or not, I went down to get my matzah. I went to the window cleaning store to buy my own rig. And the acids and the stuff I needed to buy to remove the water conservancy district, gypsum on my windows, cost 100 bucks. Ouch, okay. Or squeegees and chemicals and, and poles and all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to return them today uh, because uh, there's two young men coming out that had their own uh, window washing business. So they just opened their business, brother, two brothers, and they came cleaned my windows today at 8 o'clock. And when they finished, and it was really hard, they had to wash the windows five times. Okay, you got to connect the dot for me here, Seth. I'm, you're losing me. You're like Governor Herbert here. You're mixing things. I don't know where you're going with this. Now, I'm going with it. They charged me 20 bucks. Oh, really? $3 a pane. That's very impressive. What does this have to do with Brian? 100 bucks. I can wash my windows five times, and I don't have to... Uh, by all these dangerous chemicals that they were using, and the name of the, their company was called Insight, and it's a window cleaning company, two young brothers that live up in, in Darren Valley, and I want to encourage everybody, if you don't like washing windows, I've never heard of anybody that would wash them for that price. Well, I wouldn't do it for that price, that's for sure. Yes, and it was miraculous, and they took stuff off that, you know, a chisel wouldn't take off because of the hard 
Okay, but you still haven't connected the dot. What does this have to do with Brian? It has to do with Brian owning his own radio business oh, so okay. that he never has to work for somebody and he can't be fired. Oh, I could fire Brian. No, yeah, I tried, and, and he kept whining, and so no, uh, yes, and I, I, the word I'd like to say today, if you want to succeed in our country, own your own business. Hmm. All right, all right, what do you think, Brian? Own your own business, Brian. What do you, uh, all right, wait a minute, i got to push the right button here. There we totally go. Agree. No, totally agree, although I have to say, when you do that, beware, my boss is kind of a jerk. <laughs> I hope you're not talking about your wife. You're talking about yourself there. I'm talking about myself, yeah. Okay, let's go back to the phone lines. Call her on with Andy with Brian Hyde. What's up? I'm good. Uh, so you were talking about Spencer Cox, and before you even mentioned that, my thought was, is he pulling in Obama where he's whispering to the Russian guy, after I'm reelected, blah, 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 not talking about himself, but talking about his protege, Cox. Mm-hmm. So what's, com- what's coming down the line now? Um, my big worry was right before the election, uh, Greg Hughes put out an ad talking about how uh, Spencer Cox was receiving money from a group of, for, from the educational group, I don't remember exactly the name, that often donates lo- loads of money to the Democratic Party. So are we going to start seeing the Democratic agenda preached in our schools now? Because mm. I'm, I'm actually considering uh, putting my kids in online school and homeschooling. Yeah, so I don't I'll, blame I'll let Brian answer and I'll listen up here. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I okay. I'm going to just choose my words carefully because this should land on some toes. Um, I think, depending on what the democratic agenda is, if the agenda is big government or government is the solution to most things, it's already being taught, and and it's being taught with more of a Republican feel since this is more of a Republican state. But the the bottom line is, um, the schools will always tend to uh, to favor whatever system or whoever is in, in power at the time, simply because the checks that fund that system come through that government entity. And, and I'm not trying to assign anything particularly evil about that. Um, I, think it's just a, I think it's just a fact. Whoever pays for the textbooks is, is going to uh, be favorably viewed in those textbooks. I would be a little more concerned, and I think I've seen a lot of concern this last few days, about some of the mandates, about, well, the kids are going to have to distance like this, they're going to have to wear masks and so forth. I've never seen stronger interest in homeschooling than I have in the last five days or so. And it's based on the the governor's uh, almost mandate that nonetheless is going to be a mandate for the kids in the public schools. And I see a lot of parents right now that are saying, I'm not sure that we can do that or that we want to do that. What uh, I don't know the numbers, Brian. I don't know if you do or not, but if we lose, say, one-fourth or one-fifth of the students to, uh, in public schools and parents decide to go and school them themselves, uh, that's got to be a lot of money and a big hit because isn't, aren't the school districts paid based on, on a number of pupils? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, the number of, it's the number of rear ends sitting in those seats that help determine the funding. And, you know, with, with the students being out because of COVID-19 and with, you know, the shift that had to take place at the end of the last school year, um, there are people asking, and I think rightly so, if we're not using these schools or if these facilities are being unused, why am I still paying for them? Right. And, and it's, it's a fair question. That's not anti-education or anti-teacher. It's just um, how long can we continue to be double-billed for something that we may or may not be using? Mm, good point. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy with Brian Hyde. How are you? 
Well, good morning. Morning. What's on your mind? Two things really quick. Yeah. Um, if we do get hit with a mass of homeschoolers, which I think would be one of the most wonderful things on the planet to happen, mm-hmm. it won't be long before the talking heads and the bureaucrats will be out once again going, Utah students deserve more. Oh, boo-hoo-hoo. Oh, <laughs> poor us. And we know it's exactly what because. Every time we turn around, they get their tax increases with their sob stories, and then a couple years later, they're at it again. So I feel that if a lot of people do homeschool, that's exactly what's going to happen. They'll just come and soak all of us taxpayers even more. And also, uh, if we're going to talk about changing names, I've got a great idea. How about we start calling violence what it really is? Uh, Like, for instance, on the news this morning, I heard... More gun violence in Chicago. Yeah. More gun violence. Gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. Uh, folks, the last time I saw a firearm hop in a car and go commit a drive-by shooting was um, never. Never. Yeah. Yeah. So what, do you, what are we going to call it then? Criminal uh, violence? Gang violence? Gang violence? Gang crime? Yeah. Criminal crime? Criminal violence? What it really is? Yeah. Yeah. Good call, Brian. All right, go. is right on the money. Call things by what they are. Yeah. Amen. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. It's, uh, you know, we have a we have the ABC4 girl on, uh, Katie Corrales, every day. And uh, she's actually originally from the Chicago. She's from the Burbs, so she's not actually from the city of Chicago. But uh, I actually talked to her a little bit about, you know, the, the number of, uh, of shootings over the weekend in, in Chicago. I think it was 50-something with 10 deaths. Just this weekend in the city of Chicago, and she's embarrassed by it. She's like, I, she says, I don't even know what to say. She says, that's my home, t- my home state, and Chicago is kind of my hometown. And she says, it's, it's embarrassing, and, you know, they, they need to get a handle on it. And I said, well, what does that mean? You know, this was off air. I said, what does that mean? What do we do? And she's like, well, I, I don't know. And, and it's, it's definitely a puzzle that needs to be solved, Brian. Well, if nothing else, I think a lot of people have caught on to um, who will be there to protect them should they find themselves in need? Right. And, you know, the the record gun sales that have happened so far this year, I don't think any year has ever been like 2020 in terms of gun sales. And it's not because everybody went out and became an NRA member or, you know, just became a mindless, you know, uh, you know gun waiver. It's, it's because people have had their eyes open and they can clearly see when the chips are down, the government will not be there to protect me. So I've got to protect myself. Take a couple of quick phone calls here. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy with Brian. How are you? Doing well, Brian. It's great to hear your voice again down here. Thank um, you. Two quick anecdotals. Um, I have four kids, uh, all uh, in grade school or in school. Uh, sorry, public school uh, age. I'll be withdrawing all of them right after they uh, count enrollments. I'm going to be part of the mass enrollment uh, process that's happening out of some of the northern school districts. That will hurt their finances the most. I do expect that um, my dollars will get them to listen a little bit better than my voice. So I'm going to use my dollars the best way I can. Um, And as far as guns, I, you know, I, I work out a lot. And one of my favorite things at the gym to see is somebody who walks in there that doesn't look like they belong. That doesn't look like they go right. It makes me get goosebumps to see somebody. I'll just be blunt. Somebody that's heavy set that walks into the gym and you know what courage and what what um, drive and motivation it may take for that person to get in there and get that process started. The guns are the same. You, you go into a gun store and don't know anything about a gun. A gun store owner 
lights up. He wants to teach you. He wants, or they, you know, they want to teach you. They want to educate you. They want to help you learn about your right to own a weapon and defend your family. And I have some liberal friends out of California who have not only left, but they've bought their first guns ever. Three liberal friends of mine bought their first guns ever. And, you know, so there are some naturally, uh, some unintended consequences that I think are going to be good in the long run out of some of this. Um, I hope people are as outspoken as they need to be about it. I think that's where the left wins all the time is they are ruthlessly outspoken. I don't think they're any more intelligent or, or driven. They just are willing to put it in your face. And those of us that are conservative and principally founded need to be more boisterous. We need to talk more, collect our friends more, spread our message more, be defiant more, stand up more. We have got to let our voice ring out. And all of these issues, school, guns, saving money, fiscal responsibility, we just need to be ruthlessly open about it with everybody we come in contact with. Very well said. And I hate to cut him there off there, are. Brian, but we're bottom of the I, 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 Yeah, he, he was right in line with both of us there. It's time for you, you can't sit passively by and hope things are going to get better. You just can't do it anymore, Brian. No. And, and there's, there are right ways and wrong ways to do it. I, I really believe the higher the goal that you're reaching for, and if your goal is to promote freedom, if it's to promote to, you know, liberty, things that actually are, are good and, and worth defending, you've got to use high means. In other words, um, don't stoop to the level of the mob when it comes to, to spreading that message. All right, Brian, got to run. Uh, listen for Brian Weekends on KDXU. Uh, until that starts, go to lovingliberty.net. Thank you so much for coming on today, Brian. Thanks, Andy. See ya. He's Brian Hyde. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Andy Griffin with you live every morning at 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock here on KDXU. And uh, today I'm proud to welcome Hank Smith to the program. Hank, how you doing, man? Andy, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be part of the show. It, uh, you know, playing the Andy Griffith theme, that's been my, the theme of my show since I started. We actually had a little contest, and then that ended up winning by a landslide to Andy Griffith. So now you and I have a common friend in John, by the way. You know him better than I do. Uh, but uh, John, by the way, does a little uh, Barney Fife impersonation that's pretty impressive. And I'm wondering, uh, over, the, over the years now, uh, Hank, have you developed any kind of uh, Andy Griffith show impersonations uh, of your own? You know, John has got me to really enjoy the show. You know, it's fun. It's, it's probably more fun to hear someone like John talk about the show than to just even watch the show. He loves that show more than more than anyone I've ever seen. And he, he does that Barney Fife, and sometimes kids don't know who Barney Fife is. And right. So they think, they think he's having some sort of a medical problem. But... Uh, <laughs> But it is spot on. I haven't been able to, to work out impressions like John has, though. <laughs> I was thinking maybe you could develop an Opie or an Aunt B or, or maybe, I, I don't know, Cooter, some, one of those guys. I, I don't know. but uh, I, should, I, I need to watch the show more. I just, I, I just asked John to tell me, hey, tell me about one episode, and he'll have me <laughs> laughing so hard just because it's, it's just good, clean television, right? My my kids, of course, uh, they they looked up Bill Cosby's show uh, because it was in reruns for a while. I really enjoyed that, and then I got him onto the Andy Griffith show. And my son, my oldest son, came to me and he said, "Dad, I think I figured out where you got your parenting style." He says, "You're half Bill Cosby and half Andy Griffith." And I said, "Well, that's pretty good, actually." <laughs> yeah, that's quite a compliment, right? Uh, what was his name? Huxtable. Yeah, right? and, uh, yeah, Cliff. Yeah those, were, yeah, those were the days. I, you know, I grew up in St. George. 
uh, in the 1980s and the 1990s. Those were good days, good days, St. George, and that was good television back then. Now, Hank, uh, you have a you have if there, anybody had a bunch of irons in the fire, it would be you. You have every fire. You're stoking them all. You had so many things going on. Uh, you, I mean, you speak to you speak to high school kids at assemblies. You give motivational speeches. You uh, you do just about uh, anything that that, that it comes with public speaking. And I got to ask you: Do you dread it? Do you still get nervous? Do you hate? It? Is there is there a particular scenario that you really like? Uh, yeah, I, you know, when you try something new, you're always a little bit nervous. When I first tried schools, uh, you know, I got nervous. I was thought, is this going to work out? And then that became pretty common and, and easy for me. So new things are, are difficult. You know, as we started this coronavirus and started to do things online, I was pretty nervous to figure this out. But but it turned out to be really fun. Uh, I don't I don't get nervous too much anymore. Uh, probably hey, when I'm about to be on the radio. I get a little. I get a little bit. Oh nervous, come on right? now! No way. <laughs> well, I just I don't do radio all that often. Although I think I, John, by the way, taught me to say that uh, I have a, a face made for radio. Well, my my uh, wife says that. Yeah. Then then she told me how a voice made for newspaper too, and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, public speaking is a lot of fun. I've heard that most people it's one of their greatest fears, but uh, I fortunately I I have a, I don't have that fear. Hey, uh, Hank, let me ask you a favor. Um, you're kind of fading in and out, and I don't know if you're on a speakerphone or if you're not on a speakerphone, maybe if you put it on speakerphone, if that might work better. Okay. The donk. Yeah, we heard the doink on that one. <laughs> you there still? Oh, we lost him. We'll, we'll get him back here in just a second. But Hank Smith is a motivational speaker. He is a famous LDS, um, what do you call it, uh, 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 devotional. Gives a lot of devotionals. But uh, he's uh, known for a lot more than just that. Uh, Hank, we got you. We lost you there for a second. Yeah. Is, is this a better signal? Way better, yes. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I, yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, talk to me about some of the other projects you have going. I know you're an author. Uh, you do books on, you do all kinds of stuff. Tell me what, what are your projects right now? Right now I'm working on a couple of things. One, uh, John, by the way, and I, and a, a, a female speaker, Meg Johnson, mm-hmm. we started a, a company called uh, Our Turtle House. If, if you haven't heard of Meg Johnson, she was actually down in St. George area uh, uh, in 2004 with a, a bunch of college friends. She's about 22 years old, and she ended up falling off Turtle Rock. Uh, which is out by hurricane, I think. But um, when she fell, she broke her neck. Oh, wow. And uh, she became a, a quadriplegic. Uh, well, um, about 10 years after that, in 2014, she decided to start this group called Jumping Turtle. And it's this idea of turning tragedy into triumph, right? Turn it into something good. Uh, she recruited John and I. And now it's, a, it's an app called Our Turtle House. And what we do is we just try to fill that app with content for families. Uh, there's there's all sorts of talks and podcasts, and we're getting we're going to get some music on there. And the hope is is that you know as as Christian content gets kind of shoved in the background on mainstream television, that people will maybe say, "Hey, I turn to this app, you know, or apps like it, and and say, why don't we use this for our for our family entertainment, you know, family lessons, family devotional things like that." So. I hope that, that people will give it a try. It's called Our Turtle House. So that's a major project right now. Our uh, Turtle second, House. Okay, got it. Our Turtle House. Yeah, and the second thing we're working on, uh, well, I'm working on, I'm, I'm working with Gab Wireless a little bit. 
to try to, to help teens and phones. I don't know if you've, I don't know how many teenagers you have, Andy, but. I got two um, left, two left. Yeah, yeah. Um, these uh, phones, I, I think what's happened is, uh, you know, we were the first generation of parents to try to, to figure this out, right? Yeah, um, for sure. This, this idea of cell phones uh, and smartphones. And I think we probably, I, I know I did in my in my parenting, probably handed my teenagers a tool that was beyond their capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so what Gab Wireless is saying is let's scale this back a little bit and give you know, you know young kids a phone because they want a phone, they want to be involved, they want to be connected to their friends. Great, uh, but let's give them something that's a little that, that that's a little more that fits their capacity as you know their brain uh, develops. So I'm working with Gab Wireless to to help get word out um, about this phone. So those are my two major projects right now. Well, you're talking about phones. I we had a policy for our older kids that they didn't get a phone until they were 16, and I can tell you they were, if not the last, among the last kids to have right. a, a phone. And then uh, with my with my uh, two daughters now that I have left, uh, we made I think we made it to 16 with one of them. Our our idea was we wanted them to have a phone when they were driving, but anyway, we made it to 16 with the other one. The other one, uh, we uh, we gave up at 14 and, and got her a phone and. Uh, boy, I'll, I'll tell you, Hank, I, there are times when I wish I could just throw those things as far as I could throw and yeah. and, and get rid of them because you, you lose them a little bit. Yeah, they just kind of wander off into zombie land. And, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know if it's that they're, it, it's their fault. If I would have had that same device, mm-hmm. can you imagine? I mean, I was playing Donkey Kong on Atari, <laughs> and it had my attention, yeah. right? And you look at the the type of games and, and, and uh, things that they have now that are just kind of made to keep their attention, right, to keep them, keep them hooked. Uh, so what Gab is trying to do is saying, hey, let's scale this back. Let's give them a phone with texting, with, you know, with calling, and maybe one or two other features, and that's it. So I got one for my son, who's, uh, he's 13. I got one for him, and he, he spends hardly any time on it. You know, he'll text his friends. He'll, uh, he'll, call, he'll call me when he needs a ride, and the rest of it, the phone just sits there. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's probably for me personally. That's the better way to go. And I'm I'm hoping parents, will, a lot of parents, will agree with this and and jump on this idea with uh, with Gab. Hank Smith, by the way, he's a doctor, a PhD from BYU. He's a professor at BYU as well. In fact, Hank, I'm gonna I'm gonna hand my 18 year old off to you here in August because uh, because she's leaving uh, St. George, sunny St. George, and heading to Provo to be a student there at BYU. I was I told her I said you got to get a, get a class from Dr. Smith, and I don't know if she did or not. No, that's fantastic. Yeah, have her come see me. We'll take care of her up here. Uh, I'm looking forward to August and having everyone back on campus. You know, when when things shut down in March. It was just, it, it was, if I didn't get a chance to say goodbye, right? I, I just yeah. kind of, the place just went, became a ghost town in, in a matter of days. So um, I'm excited to have everybody back on campus. We'll all have to have a lot of rules in place. Um, but I think, I, I think it'll still be, the, the vibe will still be there, right? The excitement of having uh, all 30,000 of them back. Yeah. Uh, now, now, my my daughter was going through a schedule, and I guess that they're going to try to blend a lot of classes, which means maybe you only go once a week. Or, or do you have? Can you shed any more light on how that's going to work? Right. That's exactly right. So, so uh, some classes are going to be online only, um, where if you have big big numbers, there's just no room. There's no rooms that we have that can socially distance the kids. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, some classes will be blended, where if you have a smaller number, say around sixty kids in the class, then 
you know, 30 could come on one day and 30 could come on the other, and then they'd just be online for the other day. Uh, and then some classes are just fully in person uh, with social distancing in place where the students will be pretty far apart. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've, I've credit to all these universities across the state who have been able to put a class schedule together uh, in a matter of uh, just a matter of weeks because these class schedules take over a year to put together and yeah. they've had to revamp the whole thing. So it's, it's been a, it's, I've, I've been stressing just watching them stress, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't been had to do it, but our assistants have, and it's been, it's been fascinating to watch the process. It seems like to me that, that you, you thrive on feedback and having people there in person and stuff. Does it make your job a whole bunch harder not having the, you know, the kids right there with you? Oh, 100%. I did not sign up for a teaching job to talk to a computer. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping this doesn't last very long because I, I, for me personally, I love having the students in class in front of me. You can respond to you know, how they're feeling, the energy they're giving you. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've noticed with some of the online tools we have now, uh, it, that I can, I can kind of read their faces, right? I can, I can let them know, hey, get your videos on, I, and I can I watch them closely. You can kind of have that same experience, but then again, they don't feel that energy from each other, hmm. uh, which, uh, which is so helpful, right? When you're going to school and just having your peers around you, having that, that energy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's made it a lot more difficult, but... Uh, you know, you do, we do what we can. We work with with the situation we've been given, and we make it we make it work. We're talking with Hank Smith, Doctor Hank Smith. Can I call you a doctor? You, do you like that or not so much? If yeah, if you'd like to, I, I mean, it took me five years to earn just those two letters, but I uh, <laughs> I, I don't really. I only demand it from my children. Uh, that's the only. <laughs> they don't call you daddy. They call you doctor daddy. Yeah, like doctor dad. <laughs> that's doctor dad to you. That's, that's nothing wrong with that, I suppose. Now, you grew up, uh, Hank, here in St. George. Tell us a little bit about your background. Oh, my goodness. I, I think I just grew up in the perfect time in St. George. So my father was a golf professional down in St. George for decades. Really? What's your dad's name? Southgate. His name's Mike Smith. He was Mike out at Southgate. Uh, he was at Sunbrook for a little bit. He was even in that little part three, if you remember, Twin Lakes. Yeah, I um, live right by it. the former Twin Lakes. Yeah. Yeah, right before it was developed. So that's when we moved down there. And I lived there until 2002. I got, uh, I went to uh, Pineview High School. Then they built Central Canyon High School. I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was one of the first classes there. Really? Uh, and I remember when there was nothing behind Snow Canyon High School. There was nothing between us and the mountains. Right. And now there's just houses and commercial development. Um, So it was just a good time to grow up. You know, you could ride your bike anywhere uh, and nobody really worried about you. Do you remember those days? And now I sure do. You know, yeah, you're you. My kids get a fourth mile away and their shot collar goes off and tells them to get back to the house. Right. They just (laughs) go back to the house. Uh, it's just a different time. So I, when I look back on my time in the 80s and 90s growing up in St. George, I just I get more and more grateful looking at the world uh, the world today. Yeah, and then in 2002, I left St. George, came up into northern Utah with my wife, and we've been up here ever since, and I'm at BYU now. Is your wife a St. George girl? She is. She's a Dixie High grad. That's the only thing that's wrong with her. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I you're you're, that. you're I, half pine, you half snow canyon. So Dixie would definitely be the enemy. There. Right? Yep. They were they were the only ones I never got to go to school at. They're our true rivals, I guess. But now she's <laughs> she's absolutely perfect. She tells me that it's the celestial high school, Dixie High. <laughs> you know, that's the true St. George High School. She says so. I got to hand it to her. She's she's done all right with the with the high school she went to. <laughs> 
Well, I, I think we're lucky to have them, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, with, our, with are, our wives. Absolutely. I, I came here, by the way, in 1996, so you were probably a teenager at that point, right? Yeah, that was my high school graduation, 1996. Okay. Snow in High School. Yeah, the first graduating class was 95. Actually, I was a junior, and then 96, I had Coach Bill Jacobson. You probably met Bill. I know Bill well, absolutely. Yeah, I actually came here in '94. I misspoke. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I knew. I knew Bill pretty well. He's still kicking around here. Thank goodness. And uh, was I was I was on the radio even back then. I don't know if you ever listened to a, a ball game on the radio, but it's probably me or Mike McGarry that did the game. So I absolutely remember. In fact, when you when I got on the call, I, I know this voice. <laughs> I know this voice really well. We went. To, yeah, we went to the state championship. Our first. Uh, our our second year as a school. Um, which was just really exciting. I think the next year they ended up winning. Yeah, that was the, so, the, the one. Did you play? Did you play in that, or were you just an observer of the team? Uh, yeah, I was. I was captain of the football team. Really, now, that was a long time ago. Just so you know, yeah, I think it was me and Pat uh, Barbin. If I don't know if you remember. Uh huh. I sure do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nate Traveler. Uh, uh, Nate Esplin. Uh, Brixby Stafford was just a young kid right then. I was going to ask really, you if you knew Brixby. Yeah. Yeah, he was really coming out. So those were those were good times. You know, I, I haven't lived in St. George for twenty years, uh, but I'll I'll tell you, uh, those were those were. It was just a good, good time to be in St. George. It, it just felt, you know, I, I don't know if things have changed. You can tell me how things have changed, but uh, not not I, too much. I, a little bit. When I look back, much. I think I was lucky, really lucky, to have that community and that that kind of support and just that kind of environment. Now, you're a storyteller, Hank. I'm, I'm going to ask you if you do have a St. George story that's one of your favorites that you could pull out and, and give to us right now. Oh, my word. You, oh, now you're putting me right on the spot. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, you know what? When we were kids, and, and a lot of people won't like this listening in, and, and, and that's okay because I probably wouldn't like it either now, but we used to go out in the back of a, a truck, all right? So we'd, we'd all get in the back of a truck. Mm-hmm. And we'd have uh, golf uh, golf clubs and baseball bats, and we would go chase rabbits uh, in the middle of the night. We, and, and it was, I, I think that's how I got pretty fast. Uh, is that you had to catch up to the truck, or they were going to leave you out in the middle of nowhere. We hardly got anything ever, but it was so much fun to just ride out in the desert uh, with our friends and chase uh, chase rabbits. And there was this one time, one of my feistiest friends. Uh, we were all running together, chasing across the desert, and he <laughs> fell in uh, this. It must have been an old well. I don't know what it was, but he went about twenty feet down. But it was all full of uh, it was all full of those sagebrush and you know those tumbleweeds. Oh, so yeah. He just kind of got suspended in the air, and he we shined the light down there on him. And he's like, "Get me out of here!" Right? And we're <laughs> going, how did that happen to you? So you know, those were just. <laughs> did you have a rope? Uh, I don't. How'd you right. get him out? So we just went and got a rope, yep, and 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 pulled him out. Uh, but those were the those were the days. That's what I'm talking about. These were good times to grow up in St. George. I think that's why we we did so well in football. Is we were so used to used to chasing chasing rabbits the rabbits, yeah, and, over and the rocks. Yeah. How about the irony of I believe in that championship game you lost to the Delta. Rabbits. We lost to the Delta Rabbits. I can't believe you you remember that. It was a credit <laughs> yeah. card game. You remember that? They they, they oh, I, measuring they for the, the first down, card. and the ref pulls down the down. credit card. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Oh, I, yeah, those were those were good times, Andy. I, I I bet you have some old time St. George listeners, and I bet they feel the same ways I do. That uh, those those uh, those decades, you know, in the, I call them the nineteen hundreds. You know, way back in the nineteen hundreds <laughs> in St. George, those were just we were really lucky to be where we were. 
This, uh, you know, unfortunately, we talk a lot about the stress of modern life right now, especially in 2020 with the, the pandemic and, of course, the, the protests and riots going around. And we even had a story here out of uh, out of St. George this weekend of a, a, there's some kind of deadly algae growing on the North Fork of the Virgin River. It killed a dog oh and, and could hurt some people. I mean, every it seems like all the news is bad news, Hank. How do we keep our chins up? That is, uh, that is such a good uh, such a good question. Uh, I think what you have to do is is or at least what I try to do is I, I think of times when uh, when I you know when things are good mm-hmm. uh, when I really felt good and and then I try to kind of focus on those times and uh, try to channel them a little bit and then you just you you have to be of good cheer right I've, I've almost think that if you read the Bible and you and you hear be of good cheer it almost sounds like a commandment instead of a pep talk yeah right it's a commandment you got to be of good cheer so I try to wake up in the morning and uh, and be happy and show my kids that I'm happy because I, I don't want my kids to look back on their childhood and think you know of the pandemic and go oh it was just a such a hard time to be alive I hope they'll think you know it was fun we had a good time with our family during you know we had a lockdown but we had fun um, you know hmm. we had some, some we had to cancel our plans, but we we changed things and we adapted and you know because I was going to take my family to Hawaii this summer and that all got changed and so now we might be going to Cedar City right but we can still have fun with it and make it a make it a great time and enjoy the mountains and so I think what you do is is you maybe don't look at everything that you've lost and all the disappointments you've had but try to turn it around and say okay what what good can come out of this. I've had some new opportunities. I bet you have too. Come out of yeah. uh, come out of these changes, and and these new opportunities are something to be thankful for and, and to be grateful that they've they've happened. So, I, I try to keep the commandment to be of good cheer. You know, Hank, uh, uh, my our whole lives, our whole marriage. I've been married thirty one years, and uh, we've always wanted a swimming pool in our backyard. And haven't been able to afford it until just this last year, and we were so fortunate in that the the guy put in the pool and finished it about a month before COVID-19 hit. And uh, let me tell you, if you want to talk with your teenagers, there's nothing like a hot tub in the wintertime with their teenagers because they get in the water. They don't want to get out because it's cold out there. And, and then you got them and, trapped. And they're trapped. And, and you can't take your phone in the hot tub because most phones aren't waterproof. And so we actually, that may, you talk about good experiences with COVID-19. That's been my best is sitting with my kids, my daughters especially, in the hot tub during, during this past winter and uh, having them trapped. And we actually got some pretty good talks in. Yeah, that's exactly right. I take my kids on long hikes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it takes them a couple of hours of the, where they stop complaining about their feet, and <laughs> yeah. their, you know, and how things hurt, and they just start talking, uh, and uh, they end up coming home saying, you know, that was one of the best times I've ever had. And I think teenagers today uh, just want to feel heard. They want to feel important. They want to feel like their parents care because, I mean, most teenagers know how valuable time is to their parents, right? They, they know that that's your one commodity that you're trying to, trying to use your time so wisely. And when you spend it on them, I think they feel that. They yeah. feel important. They feel valued. Um, they feel like, hey, you know, I know how much he, he values his time, and yet he spent a whole day just talking with me on a hike. Uh, that does something for a kid's self-esteem uh, that, you know, a trip to Hawaii just can't do. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Only have about two minutes left. You talked about how to maybe improve our attitude and our happiness a little bit. What about our motivation? It's easy right now to go. Ah, why bother? Uh, how, how can right. we fix that, Hank? Right. I, I think I've I've noticed with people um, that they often look back at things like this and they say, "Oh, I wish I would have." 
right? I mm-hmm. wish I would have. I, uh, man, I had so much time during that pandemic. Why didn't I? Why didn't I do this or that? Uh, and so, what I tell people often to do is put yourself post-pandemic. The world is back to normal. Your your schedule's back and it's full again. And you're looking back, saying, "Man, what do I wish I would have gotten done?" Uh, and then write those things down and see that you've got your goals now. You've got a couple of goals, a couple of things to finish uh, before, you know, the, before the world gets back to normal. And hopefully it will very soon. But you'll have some things done that you'll look back and say, yeah, I used my time. I used my time wisely. I, I, I had an opportunity there and I took it. Uh, so that, that'd be a, I think you, you put yourself back in your old crazy schedule and you say, man, if I could have that, if I could have a couple of weeks, what would I do? And then write those things down, put them up on the mirror, and get them done. Put them up on the mirror. I haven't done that one. That's probably something I need to do. Do you write it in lipstick, or do you actually use a, a sticky note? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, I've read the research on this. Uh, that if you have a written goal that you see every day, you're 30 times more likely to accomplish it than one that's not written down. So wow. uh, make sure you write those down and get them up somewhere. Even us adults, we need to write down our goals and get them up, get them up where we can see them. I had a guest a, a few months ago that said, uh, first thing, that their their program was write 10 things you're grateful for every single day and just make that the first thing you do every single day. And I thought, oh, man, that sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right, though. They're exactly right. It's called the Gratitude Journal, and it will change the way your brain sees the world. It really will um, because you're training your brain to look for certain things. Um, and as you start, your brain's going, okay, I got to look for things I'm grateful for. And all of a sudden you're noticing things you've never, you've never noticed before. It's not that they weren't there. It's that you didn't notice them. Well, Hank, uh, unfortunately we're out of time. Um, I would like to invite you to come on the show anytime you want to. And certainly if you ever come down here, we'd love to have you in person, provided, of course, we wear masks and take each other's temperatures and all that stuff. But, uh, anytime you want to be on the show, I'd love to have you. Okay, I would I would love to be back, especially you know just I love to be connected back to my hometown, yeah, uh, Saint George in some way. So it, can... it makes me feel kind of uh, connected to, to you know my childhood and uh, the, the, my old life. You can take the boy out of Saint George, but you can't take Saint George out of the boy, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I still I still wear shorts in January just because I, <laughs> I that's who I am. Shorts and flip flops, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Hank, so much. It's great to talk to you today. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. He's Dr. Hank Smith, motivational speaker, author. Check him out online at hanksmith.com. And, uh, again, thanks for listening today, folks. It's really been a pleasure to be with you. I'll be back tomorrow, 9 o'clock. And we've got a couple of uh, interesting guests. I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but you're going to like tomorrow's show as well.